My name is Kate the Socialite, and you're listening to episode 57 of The Kate Show. Guys, I have a cold, so I've been trying to put off this episode, but I cannot wait any longer. I keep getting so many questions about the topic we are discussing today, so please bear with me. On a quick side note, for those of you who have been following along with my pregnancy, I am about halfway through already. Oh my goodness, I know. I I really don't know where the time goes. It's just insane. And we found out we're having a little girl. So woohoo, I'm so excited. I thought for sure it was a boy, but turns out my intuition is just a little bit off. So hopefully having a baby will recalibrate that. So far, it's just making me forget everything and lose my mind. But hey, I've been told that's normal. So I've gotten uh, so many nice messages from you guys saying congratulations and just offering your support. And I just want to say thank you so much. It means a lot to me, especially every time somebody asks, hey, how are you feeling? Because I know that a lot of people just want to focus on the fact that, oh my goodness, you're having a baby. They're so cute. But the other reality of it is that pregnancy is so much harder than it looks. Now, I'm not complaining. I'm very thankful to be pregnant and to have it all happen so quickly. But um, it's hard, guys. I have so much more respect for anyone who has ever carried a child for any length of time because this the energy that it takes out of you mentally and physically is just way more than I had anticipated. But of course, my husband and I are very excited to meet our daughter in the end of July or early August, let's be real. And yeah, so I just wanted to get that out of the way because I know that some people are wondering and not everybody saw my Instagram post about the gender reveal. And that said, today we're talking all about the difference between blog posts and newsletters because a lot of people think they can be used interchangeably and in fact I used to think that and then I wondered why is no one reading my blog post and why is no one opening my newsletter well it's because I was treating them like they were the same thing and they're definitely not they are such different tools in marketing they are in different spots on the sales funnel blog posts are at the very beginning newsletters are at the end so they are definitely not interchangeable now if you're doing what I used to do which was turn a blog post into a newsletter you likely are experiencing limited success and I want you to stop doing that I want you to start using blog posts as blog posts and newsletters as newsletters so that you can get the most out of every effort you put into marketing your business so let's get started marketing your interior design or home staging business should be easy and relational My name is Kate the Socialite, and I believe in action, not just ideas. And I share strategies that have proven to work right here every week. If you're serious about growing your business in the home industry, you're in the right place. Welcome to The Kate Show. Okay, guys, so what exactly is a blog post? I have heard a lot of different definitions, and I've heard it called a lot of different names, like article or posting or they call each blog post a blog in itself and I want to clear up some of these definitions. So a blog post is an article that's part of a greater collection of articles on your website. That collection of articles is the blog. Each individual article is called a post. So 
you wouldn't say I have two blogs coming out this month. You would say I have two posts coming out on my blog this month. Does that make sense? I hope so. Okay, so let's just go over what each blog post needs to have or traditionally has so that you can start to differentiate between that and a newsletter. So a blog post has 500 to 1,000 words, and it can have more, but we like to put a cap on it just because you're not trying to write another book, and if you have a blog post that exceeds 1,500 words, you might just wanna break that into two because then you get more for your efforts anyway. But it's also going to have many images, whereas a newsletter won't, and I'll get into that later. Blogging is also very good for SEO or search engine optimization because it means that you're constantly updating your website every time you publish a new post on your blog. Google sees that, crawls it, and ends up directing people to your site based on the topics that you're talking about, based on the words you're using, based on how you've named each photo before uploading it to your blog post. So it is so helpful for SEO. And it's also something that you need to be doing like weekly for the biggest impact. You could even do it twice a week. That gets to be a little crazy, quite honestly, though, and nobody has time for that. So I usually tell people if you can blog twice a month, it's better than nothing, but obviously once a week is always going to be more beneficial to you. Blog posts are also really great for sharing on social media because you can share the link on Facebook, for example, then people will click it and end up at your website, which is the whole point of social media anyway. Now, if you're sharing a blog post on Instagram, this is gonna be a little bit different. You will post an image and then you will say link in bio or you'll share it as an Instagram story. And if you have more than 10,000 followers, you'll have that swipe up feature where you can just put the link there and then people will go to it when they swipe up on your story. Or if you have fewer than 10,000 followers, you would just say link in bio and make sure you have the right link in your bio for that given post. And guys, I want you to really think about what you are writing about in your blog post because it is similar to a newsletter and that you need to know your ideal client so that you know what to say because I have seen a lot of blog posts that all sound the same. They are dry and boring and they're discussing high point market, which I have no problem with high point, but if your experience at high point sounds like every other designer's experience at high point, you might need to take a different approach because first of all, how does it benefit your client to know about what you did at high point? It honestly doesn't, and it's not gonna help your SEO because there is no homeowner out there searching for a designer's experience of high point, but other designers will be searching for that. So you need to stop and think about writing things that are actually interesting to your ideal client and not just interesting to you. Now, if you wanna mix it up a little bit with a journal-like entry, such as your experience at high point, that's fine, but it should not be the focus of your entire blog content strategy. It would help if you sit down ahead of time and create a list of frequently asked questions that you get from leads and customers. That way you can start to see, okay, everyone always has questions about how to create a color palette that they won't hate in two years. Or everyone always has questions on what type of window treatment looks best in certain room types. Or Real estate agents are always asking me 
exactly what do I need to understand about home staging so that I can communicate it to the home sellers in order to have them hire you. So it's about education and inspiration. It's about being helpful, not about talking about your personal life. Talking about your personal life is actually a great thing to do on social media. Not all the time, but as a little bit of sugar and spice, it's just a good way to get people interested in what you have to say. You need to show up as a real person. But your blog is for SEO. Your blog is what draws people in and gets their attention. And at the end of every blog post, you should have a call to action, which offers a freebie of some sort that entices people to get in your mailing list. If you do not have this at the end of a blog post, there is absolutely little point whatsoever to blogging. So I know a lot of you just freaked out when I said that. You're like, oh, I just posted all these on my blog and I don't have any calls to action. I just wasted my time. Okay, don't freak out. You can go back and add a call to action to every single blog post if you would like, or just go back and add that call to action to your most popular blog posts. That way you're not going back and spending hours doing things you just don't need to be doing. And at this point, we need to go back and look at what the sales funnel should be for your business. So people will find you on social media and then they will click through to your website. So much easier for them to click through to your website when they're clicking on a post from your blog. So if someone sees you on Facebook or sees your post on Instagram, they go to your profile, they click the link, there's your blog post, now they're on your site, that's the whole point of social media. Then they read your blog post, they get to the end, there's a call to action, so they get in your mailing list. Do you see how this is working, guys? Now the email newsletter comes into play. So let's talk about that email newsletter. A newsletter should have about 300 words, which is a far cry from the 500 to 1,000 that a blog post should have. And a newsletter should only contain about three to four images. And they also need to be sized appropriately so they're not so big that they knock out everybody's inbox. Um, and actually, they, they just wouldn't be deliverable or they would not show up correctly if you used images that were too large. So make sure your images are 800 pixels wide or less and make sure you're only using three to four of them. Now, the thing to remember about email newsletters is they are not for SEO and they're not for social media. Uh, they are the end of a sales funnel. So that means once someone read your blog post and opted in to get your freebie, now they're being nurtured every month with this newsletter, which will then get them to book a consult or a discovery call with you. And that gets them closer and closer to money in your pocket. So I want you guys to really, really understand this here because I get a lot of questions about email newsletters because people for some reason always want to put them on their website as though they are blog posts. And not only would that be extremely ineffective, but think about it this way. You send a lot of emails to your clients. Why on earth would you be putting them on your website? That is a personal communication between you and them. It should never be on your website. People should only get to see your newsletter if they're in your mailing list because sharing your newsletter for the public to see whether it's on your website or on social media will not make more people sign up to your mailing list. It will make people see 
they don't have to sign up in order to see your content. So we need to make sure that you protect your newsletter and that you only let people see it if they've given you their email address. Their email address is extremely valuable currency to you as a business owner in 2019. So do not put your newsletter on your website and do not share it on social media. You can share a blog post on social media. You can share a sign-up link to your mailing list on social media. Most of all, and most effectively to grow your list, you can share your freebie, your giveaway, your branded magazine on social media so that people can click through, add their email address, and receive it. That's the greatest and best way to do it. But your newsletter is something that would perform very poorly if put on your website because it is not created with SEO in mind, it is not long enough for Google to care about it, and it's only supposed to be done monthly. And if all you did was put something monthly on your website as a blog post, Google would not truly care all that much because again, blogging should ideally be done every week or every other week but once you get to that once a month mark, it can get really hard to gain any traction. Not that it will have a negative impact on you, but if you're just putting up a teeny tiny little post once per month, you might as well not do it because it's not enough to make an impact. All right, so we are going to take a little sponsor break and then I'm going to talk about in detail the anatomy of a blog post and the anatomy of a newsletter so that you guys can truly understand the differences here and why a well-marketed business will use both and they are not interchangeable. Hey guys, just popping in here quick because I've got a question for you. Do you have a business partner? Do you have someone who is helping your business move the needle forward every single day? Well, if you're still looking for that special someone, look no further than Nancy Ganzikoffer. She's a business coach for interior designers and other creative entrepreneurs. Nancy understands the unique challenges you face when pursuing your dreams, and she'll help you develop your business identity, set goals, and manage your time. Now, if you're not part of her Facebook group, Actionable Entrepreneurs, you'll want to get in there right away. Nancy's there every single day, giving tips, support, and lessons to keep you taking action and moving forward in your business. Now, if you're ready to take a giant leap forward, get on her calendar for a strategy call. It's 50 minutes of straight business coaching, and you'll leave that session with clarity, goals, and a direction towards growth in your business. Head over to businesscoachnancy.com forward slash consult. The anatomy of a blog post is fairly involved because this is the first hefty step you have to do in order to get found on Google or any other search engine, quite honestly. And it also gives you a lot of social media content. So a blog post does require a lot of work, but you can use it again and again. You can post it more than once on social media and you're just going to benefit from it all around. So the first thing that your blog post needs is an SEO friendly headline. And I use the headline analyzer tool. I will link it in the show notes. I know that my friend Jacqueline Edwards of Ochre and Beige, uh, she runs a ghost blogging company for the home industry. She uses the headline analyzer tool as well just because it is so easy to think that okay I wrote this title for my post it sounds really good 
but then you run it through the analyzer and realize it would function very poorly in Google. So it's important that you have a good headline to start off with. You also need to make sure that the first one or two sentences of each blog post contains the keywords that describe your ICA or your ideal customer avatar or uh, some other thing that you want to rank for like kitchen remodeling in Virginia. You know, make sure you include your service, your city and state if you want to go that route. Or you can just say kitchen remodeling for female entrepreneurs or something like that. That way people can really recognize themselves and Google will also recognize them too. You also need to make sure that you have subheadings called H2 headings in your blog post and those also need to contain the keywords of your post. Now I'm not saying you should jam pack keywords in everywhere because Google will actually penalize you for that plus it will make your blog post read very terribly and you just need to make sure that you're using these keywords in the right places and then you don't have to put them everywhere. Put them in the headline, the first paragraph, and in those H2 headings or you just call them subheadings. Then you need to make sure you have 500 to 1000 words of engaging text on a topic that your ideal client actually cares about. Make sure it is not all about you and your experiences unless you're actually telling a story. And your journey to high point, I'm sorry, it is not a story. It is just your momentary experience with something that your homeowner clients or real estate clients will never have to deal with, it really doesn't have an impact on them. So make sure that what you're talking about is something that does impact them and is something they will relate to. You'll also need to make sure that you include a good amount of images on each blog post. 10 to 15 would be ideal, especially if you're closer to the 1000 word mark. But if you're closer to the 500 mark, then just grab a handful of photos, but make sure those photos look nice. They can be ones you took on your phone, that's fine, but they need to look good because this is representing your business and it's going to be on your website forever, basically, unless you decide to delete it or take down your whole website. So make sure that each image you choose looks nice and make sure it is named accordingly, which means that if you're uploading a kitchen that you just remodeled, you need to name each photo kitchen remodel and then maybe the design style like modern kitchen remodel modern farmhouse and then the city and state of the project that way people who are searching for a designer or a remodeler in that area will know what to type in and then they'll end up finding you or your image this is also good for when you are uploading images to Instagram and Pinterest because now both of those places will also read the file name of your image and further categorize it in their system that way. So it's just important to name your photos. Okay, I know it takes a little extra time, but it helps so much. Now, each blog post you create also needs to have a tall rectangular pinnable image which just means make it tall, make it rectangular, make it look nice. It should be an image with the title of your post and you can go put it on Pinterest after you have published your blog post. 
Now you can use the Pinterest feature that might be built into your website. You can do it manually with Pinterest. You can use something like Hootsuite or Tailwind. There are a lot of different options, but make sure that if you are blogging, you are putting each post on Pinterest. You'll also need to create a square image that you can use on Facebook and Instagram. And it's going to look like the little sister of that pinnable image. It will have an actual image and then it will have the title of the post. Now let's talk about the anatomy of a newsletter. So again, a newsletter is personal communication between you and people in your mailing list. It's not to be shared on your website or social media because that would be ineffective and it's just an inappropriate use of your newsletter anyway. Your newsletter, again, will have 300 words, three to four images. You don't need to name those images anything in particular because this has no bearing on your SEO. You will have one headline in your newsletter and one topic per newsletter. So again, don't throw in a topic of the day and a personal update and a seasonal promotion because honestly, especially seasonal promotions or any promotions will trigger spam filters so that fewer and fewer people get your newsletter each time it is sent out and you do not want that. So while I know it can be hard and you think you need to put in all of your different promotions, you need to look at it from your customer's perspective. Um, first of all, a promotion is a fancy word meaning discount. And if you are discounting any part of your service, that is not going to serve you well. And it will only attract clients who are budget oriented, which also does not serve you well. It will also trigger spam filters. So don't offer your free consultations. Do not use the word free in your newsletter. That is a huge triggering spam word. And make sure you're focusing on content that is actually relevant to what you're offering to your clients as a service and make sure that it is interesting and make sure the photos are good. You can use stock photo resources like Unsplash, Pexels, or Pixabay.com. And again, guys, if newsletter writing is hard for you, remember there are resources that can help like Socialite Vault. If you head over to SocialiteVault.com, I've got I calculated recently over four and a half years worth of marketing content, including email newsletters for window treatment companies, other soft furnishing companies, home stagers, and interior designers. So you can, you can request certain topics, and I'm happy to create those for you when you're a member, or you can just use what we already have, and there's so much there that you do not have to come up with it on your own. You don't have to worry that it's going to get caught in a spam filter because I've got the layout just right, and I've got the right amount of words. I've got the right images, although you can replace them with your own if you would like. And there's always a call to action at the end that encourages people to book a call or a consult with you because that's the whole point of your newsletter. It's also important that you stay consistent with your newsletter. So while a blog should be every week, your newsletter should be every month without fail. Now before we wrap this up, I want to share some really interesting email marketing stats with you all. Because even though you, like me, are a creative person, we still care about the numbers and we want to know if we're putting in all this effort to send an email newsletter, if it's actually proven to work. And the truth is, yes, it has. In fact, Facebook is so far behind as far as impact 
like um, compared to email marketing. So people are actually twice as likely to sign up for your email list as they are to interact with you on Facebook, which is such good news. And other social media and even SEO just can't compete with email marketing because email has a higher conversion rate than SEO and social media combined. That is insane. Plus, 72% of people out there prefer email as their source of business communication, which means it only makes sense that you would be trying to contact them through email instead of through social. And by the way, 80% of professionals or business owners say that email marketing drives that customer acquisition and retention. So you guys cannot ignore email marketing. It's not going anywhere. It is not dead. It is alive and well and very effective for marketing your business. And for those of you who are like, okay, but what is the actual return on investment? Give me hard numbers. Well, check this out. For every $1 you spend on email marketing, you can expect an average return of $32. And that stat was as of 2018, so it is recent. You can depend on it. And that's insane, guys. You are going to get 32 times what you put into your email marketing. All right, I hope this episode has made you think about the key differences between blog posts and newsletters and that you will not use them interchangeably, but you'll use them in the ways that they were meant to be used because that is where they will be most effective and have the biggest impact on your business. And if you have questions about either of these things, you can head over to socialitevault.com. You can contact me through the site. You can sign up for a free trial if you need help with email marketing. I am doing everything I can to make it easy for you to market your business in the home industry. And I look forward to working with you. So thank you guys so much for your time today. And and, you know, if you wouldn't mind subscribing to the podcast, leaving a review on iTunes, I do read every review and it just warms my heart because I show up every single week for you guys. I answer your questions and I love connecting with you. So please leave a review. Please send me any topic requests because I'm always taking topic requests. And until next time, guys, keep your marketing simple and your message clear. Thanks for listening. Visit us at thekateshowpodcast.com where we empower home professionals with marketing confidence.